Hi, everybody. Welcome to Millwood and Micah Discovering Avatar. My name is Amanda Millwood, and I'm a screenwriter, actor, director, and a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender. And my name is Todd Micah. I'm the author of Tales from Grimguard, an anthology of dark fantasy, and also the Grimguard role-playing game. And I had never watched Avatar until now. Uh, we have been going through the episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender, every episode of our podcast. We take two of the episodes and review them. We go over some fun facts and uh, basically just share the experience together. So um, this episode, we'll be going over episodes 9 and 10 of the series, starting with episode 9, The Waterbending Scroll. Mm -hmm. uh, our episode stats say that this was written by John O'Brien. And as always, I call upon the encyclopedic knowledge of my co-host Amanda. Have we seen a John O'Brien episode yet? Um, no. The I name can't... doesn't sound familiar. Yeah, I I know his name just because I know the show, but I cannot, I am the worst with names, so I can't remember if we've seen his name on the list yet or not. But you I know he has make, done. You need to make a bingo card with like all the writers <laughs> for the show on it, and every time we hit yeah. one, we check it off, and that we were like, "Oh yeah, this guy." <laughs> yes. All every single writer that has done an episode, we will make a bingo card. Well, but yeah, yes, I do know his name. I just can't remember if he's done one yet for the show. I, I don't think so. Before. I don't think so. Names that are repeating, they've kind of stood out after all this time and so i feel like this is a new one so thanks john great episode by the way yeah <laughs> uh it's uh directed by anthony leoy 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 now that <laughs> sounds like now that sounds like a name we've struggled with before so i feel like this that we've had an episode directed by anthony before yes we have uh it's animated by jm animation and i'm just going to take a second to say I watched episodes nine and ten together. I I, I will dare say I, I don't think I've seen animation on the show as good as in these two episodes. Like the other, some of them have had some good quality animation, and we've said so before. But this, and especially ten when we get to it, but like the animators, <laughs> the animators woke up on the right side of the bed. It, it, was, it was day ten of their juice cleanse. Like like they had a good hair day. Our crops were thriving. Yeah, yeah. Everything <laughs> was, really... was everything was clicking. They were in the prime of life. They just they were drinking their water. Like everything was good. It was great. So seriously, and these are two of the best to, animated. Yeah, yeah no, I, I absolutely agree. JM Animation absolutely knocks it out of the park animation wise in these two episodes, but especially episode ten, which we'll get to later. But no spoilers. But in my opinion. You know me, I love art, I love animation, I love color. Um, and Jet, episode 10, is the prettiest episode of Avatar. Like the animation, the character models, the colors, everything about it is okay, top rain it, rain it in Amanda. We'll get there eventually. We have to, we have know, to push like, we have to push so through episode nine first slowly to, to get there. I, I promise. I promise we'll get to ten. We'll get Can there. you tell she's hyped for ten? She's very hyped yeah. for ten. Admittedly, I am too, but <laughs> um episode nine the waterbending scroll aired on april 29th 2005 and the imdb rating of the waterbending scroll is 7.8 out of 10 which is just not right <laughs> this, 
Like yeah, like how is... did how did the first couple of episodes get like eights, and this is like eh, seven point eight? Yeah, I'm like, I mean, not that that's you know anything to shrug at. That's higher than most average TV show episodes are ranked. You know, most usually yeah. hit around the seven mark, but still like this is one of the lower ranked of the episodes that we've talked about thus far and yeah. in my opinion no spoilers but this is my favorite episode so far that we will be discussing like mm -hmm. i adore this episode so i do not agree with that ranking at all <laughs> <laughs> well take yeah, us through <laughs> as you're enthusing on on very clearly episodes uh they have some of their favorite episodes here take us into some fun facts about this one i shall so there this actually there were a couple of fun facts for this episode that I really enjoyed, but this one isn't really a fun fact. It's more of like a little nugget for Avatar fans, but this is the second appearance of our beloved Cabbage Man or Cabbage Merchant. <laughs> okay, I have to jump in on this real quick because I my note, my notes here for the show, literally, hold on. My notes here literally say, look, Aang masters three bending techniques. He has he has his air bending. He really quickly masters water bending in this episode and cabbage bending. We saw him sure. cabbage bend the entire cart at the pirates. It was amazing. Yeah, cabbage bending. I'm telling you, it's gonna win the war. It's gonna win the war. <laughs> cabbage man, oh, we love him. Um, and the second fun fact is that this is the first episode in which Ang water bends outside of the Avatar state. Now for Todd. This word or this phrase "avatar state" is probably you don't know what that is oh, because no, they no, have no, not. No, I know they used it in the show. They used it. In the, they they used it in the show. He's in. He was in the avatar state when the episode with the air temple. Didn't they say he's in the avatar state when he was like destroying everything? I don't think that they use. Like I know exactly what you're talking about. The scene. Um, I don't think that they use the phrase "avatar state" though. I think that they said. I think Katara said something along the lines of like it triggered his avatar spirit, I think is what she said. Oh, okay. I'm I was sure. I was yeah. sure that she said Avatar State. But yes, um, yeah, that is gonna become incredibly you will learn more about it down the line, mm -hmm. but that will be that phrase will become incredibly important. Um, so I just I just wanted to point that out because like that's I said, I don't state, believe that's that the state I want to live in right now. Just uh, let's pack up and move <laughs> to the Avatar State. What do you think? let's do it where the cabbages <laughs> flow freely across the land it's a land of flowing with them someone needs to send in like some cabbages to todd apparently he needs some <laughs> cabbages are going to defeat the fire nation have you ever seen anybody burn a cabbage before no they're naturally fireproof they're made of go. water <laughs> like 90 percent water they grow from the earth they combine all of the other elements together God. we are fully running with this apparently <laughs> um all right so moving on from cabbages um our third fact is that prince zuko makes a deal with the pirates to track down their stolen waterbending scroll coincidentally dante bosco my king and the voice of prince zuko played the carrier wow the character of rufio leader of the lost boys in the movie hook so have you ever wow. seen hook a long time ago I mean, I oh, would not be able. To, I wouldn't be able to pick his voice out. That is a cool bit of a uh, cool bit of trivia right there. Yeah, he was like not really the antagonist, but more of just like an obstacle for Robin Williams, Peter Pan, because he was the de facto leader of the Lost Boys when Pan left. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, he's kind of got like that rivalry. But that was the first time I ever saw Dante Bosco in live action, 
And I just like fell in love. I think a lot of girls did because he just looks so cool. Well, um, I suppose and... I will have to go see what he looks like in live yeah. action because Ooh, I didn't yo, know. So yo. let's see here. <laughs> I feel like you'll recognize him because he's very distinct look in the movie. Like he doesn't look like any other character. Oh, yeah. No, the big red plumes on his head. Definitely, yeah. definitely, you know, reminiscent of the Fire Nation symbolically there. Yeah. The red and black, yes. He yes. loves playing the really angry, tormented boys. <laughs> it's like his uh -huh. specialty. We love him for it. Uh, yes. Yeah. So anyway, mm -hmm. um, kind of a fun little, fun little coincidence there. Mm -hmm. And then finally, this is my favorite, as I put it last. The screenwriter for this episode, John O'Brien, shout out to John, supports the Zatara ship and at one point pushed for it in the writer's room. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I um, I definitely picked up on that. Vibe. Yeah, the whole yeah. I, I, I like okay. So I love it, and we're already into like this is that was the last fun fact. So we're just gonna hit the ground yeah. running with the Zatara ship setting sail here. So so yeah. I you mentioned this to me, and I was like, uh, okay, with the other episode when you were like, remember we had that discussion? We were like, with the necklace. And I'm like the necklace. I'm like, yeah, she dropped down yeah, the ground. And I'm like, she dropped it on the ground? I was just happy to see him. I didn't even notice what he had. Right. But thank God for, for, you know, flashbacks where the episode was like, don't forget, this happened. And now on with the episode. And I'm like, oh, Amanda must have written this part for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I loved it because there's that whole scene where she's like, you know, he's like, you'll tell us where this thing is. And she's like, no. And then he has this moment where you see, like, his his persona as the prince kind of drops and he's just like you don't understand i've lost something too and i'm like oh oh it's happening i'm getting that feeling again i'm getting that yep. feeling the ship the ship is don't there i can I see it <laughs> literally this is no i'm not even kidding this is the the force awakens interrogation scene for kids yes, <laughs> like little is. kids it is it's same scene you cannot tell me otherwise <laughs> no it's the same scene because then he's just you know it's because he uses the he uses the leverage against her with the necklace and everything oh yeah. he's trying to lure her to the dark side like what did you tell me about your parents and the fire nation <laughs> literally <laughs> yeah it's when i tell you this episode was like and no, I'm not gonna lie. That is a big part of why I love this episode is I love the, this interaction between or this like one scene between Zuko and Katara because yeah, it is really cool to see him kind of use manipulation as a tactic, which we haven't really seen before. He's always been so brash and like just head forward, like running straight into a fight or, you know, not thinking things through, but like uh -huh. he actually has to stop and think, okay, how can I get this girl to tell me what I want to hear or what I uh -huh. need to know? And, you know, using that that brash force is not going to do it. So let me try sweet talking her, like in yeah. giving her something that she's lost. And I'm like, damn, Zuko, you want smooth player. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like, by the way, can we, I can, 
that I was like, all right, I shift this so hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh so lingering on Zuko for just a little bit, and since we've been talking about uh, Dante Vasco and his mm -hmm. his voice acting here, I, I, had, I had the versatility was great because he's all like, you know, where is it? And then he goes to, oh, but you don't understand. I've lost something too. And then there was my favorite part that I laughed out loud out was later on when his ship goes going over the waterfall. He goes, my ship. <laughs> No. <laughs> I... And when he screams my ship, I was like, oh, there's Amanda seeing her ship in the episode right there. My ship! <laughs> His voice is yep. so high-pitched and squeaky. Yeah, um, he's a teenager. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. He's, he must be protected at all costs. Yes, we love him. I love um... Zuka so much after this episode. <laughs> Yeah, no. Oh, just wait. Just wait till the next podcast episode. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Just wait. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but yeah, so since we're on Zuko, I just want to talk about Zuko and Ira real quick, like in this episode, because this is some of the funniest stuff between them. And that's saying a lot because they are a very, very funny duo. Um, mm. I think that's why they're so strong as characters. They're great foils for each other. Um, but this is probably my favorite of their interactions so far. Um, I just love that, like, Iroh is in search of a pie show tile. And that is such a seemingly insignificant thing. And Zuko doesn't get, like, he even makes funny. Like, you, like most people, don't understand how important this is. Like, and so he, like, forces him to go shopping with him. They don't find what he's looking for. <laughs> and he ends up buying out the entire, like, merchandise shop. Relatable. And like honestly <laughs> the only thing better than find than not no wait what, what is it like better it, than not finding is anything better than finding what you're looking for is finding something you weren't looking you were looking for at a great bargain that's me exactly. that's me every time i go shopping they're like but what about that one thing we came here for Todd? i'm like the what because like i found like 20 <laughs> things i wasn't looking for literally that's it is why you such go a shopping weird. We're just gonna come out and say it by the way. Like, I love shopping, shopping is my yeah, thing. No, I love right. going shopping. <laughs> yeah, I love shopping for things that I don't need. That's why I relate to Iris. Yeah, so, okay, so much. okay, and, and that's the I whole thing with shopping, shopping too. <laughs> right, you don't go there for the one thing you need, you go there to shop. It's the thrill of, I wonder if I dig far enough, what I'll find a whole bunch of exactly. things I wasn't looking for because I wasn't looking for anything. Well, I discover. Yes. Yes. yes it's great. um and then yeah basically like teaming up with the pirates to get back this scroll that's been stolen and you know like and then of course the cherry on top of the episode the perfect ending with Hyro <laughs> figuring out that the tile was in his sleeve the whole time <laughs> i and then zuko just pitches it over the waterfall out. really <laughs> the big smile <laughs> he just takes it zuko takes it from him and just chucks it yeets it over the waterfall <laughs> it's so great it's like uh, the perfect way to end episode. oh my god but, okay, All people, this for but can we also agree that zuko was just in charge in this episode like him barking with the pirates him interrogating oh, yeah, yeah. like like he pulled out the water vending scroll and was threatening to burn it i was like that's hot <laughs> i know that's literally literally hot literally hot 
<laughs> yeah, fire, but, baby. But like seriously, like he was he the, the man had all his ducks in a row. Like he was he was commanding the the whole show for a while. He he caught the girl. He had the pirates eaten out of the palm of his hand, mm -hmm. <laughs> and of course, of course, and this is a segue. Who <laughs> would spoil it for him? But my man Sokka. And he is just um, like, but you can get so much more for the Avatar on the black market. Which yep. is very dangerous territory that the show goes into about selling a 12-year-old kid on the black market. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I always thought that that was so funny that like, because he doesn't, at first it doesn't even seem like he's meaning to do it, like to, to, I guess, trick Zuko or the pirates. He's just kind of like, uh, you guys are idiots. Do you know who this kid is? Like, and then he kind of plays into it. He's like, yeah, no, he'd go for a lot more than that stupid parchment. Like, it's like so perfect. Like, oh, I love how smart Sokka is. And like, they totally, <laughs> he, also, he also has one of my favorite jokes in this, this episode, just chock, chock full of jokes, um, just like the imprisoned episode. Mm -hmm. But I love when they are first capturing um, Aang and Sokka. <laughs> <laughs> and they take Aang and they're like running off and Sokka's just like, what? I'm not good enough to capture <laughs> It's like, honestly, that would be me in that situation. I'd be like, really? You're just going to leave me? Whatever. Really? Yeah. It is so funny. Um, but uh, yeah, so, but we haven't even really talked about the, the main storyline of this episode, which is, you know, Aang and Katara learning to waterbend from this waterbending scroll. Yeah. Um, this so, is such... oh, go ahead. I was gonna say like it's it's a great arc, and I honestly kind of wasn't expecting it. They have these these the Katara the, the thing I'm really enjoying about Katara in the show is that she's not a one trick pony. She's not. We've talked about her kind of being like the mother figure in the group there, but she's not just there to wring her hands and be like, "Careful, boys! I don't think this is a good idea." And the fact she's kind of reckless in like these two episodes she's very like just she's kind of kind of out there and um she's a was 13 year old girl so of course she would well, be but but she's but she's for all intents and purposes a pretty even character a lot of the time she'll get worried about things or she'll get a little jealous like you know she was in the episode with uh with 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 ang getting all the attention from the girls but you know she's mm -hmm. she's generally pretty much a rock you know the other characters get in trouble or they doubt themselves and she's she's there to like you know bail them out or put her arms around them and reassure them and 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 she's you know nurturing and nice that way but we also get to see her in this episode have that jealousy at Aang himself which is something that's never been touched on in the show this feeling that mm -hmm. she's a bender and we've watched her practice and, and the two of them help each other but then it takes this turn when she gets the scroll and they're practicing with it and she watches him be adept like he was adept at the technique she showed him mm -hmm. so much faster than her and it turns it starts bothering her insecurities oh yeah yeah no she's very insecure in this episode and i love that because like i can get that way too that's very relatable and that's not something that you often see with female characters it's usually male characters that you know generally will be very jealous if like say a female co-worker is better at them at something or you know there's that sort of insecurity of i have to be the best because i'm the man like that makes sense but we see this jealousy 
from the female perspective, which I can totally relate to because I can often get that way when, you know, if I am struggling with something that someone else is just so much better at just naturally, they don't even have to try. That is very upsetting to me because I'm like over here trying my hardest and getting nowhere, whereas they don't even have to try. And it's like, I totally feel Katara in this episode. I'm like, I get it, girl. It's really hard sometimes when it be like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I and I love when she blows up at Aang. Cause like that, it's such a low blow, but you it's understandable. You get where she's yeah. coming from. Yeah. And, um, and and here's the thing I want to say. I want to compliment the show in general on a, a couple of things. Number one, you were just saying how natural it is. The show is very um it brings out these very human emotions and portrays them in very natural ways. You know, sometimes a, for using the term loosely here, a cartoon show, when it's aimed mm -hmm. at kids, it can be super stilted. Really, right. really stilted. Because they're just there to put something across to kids that are, you know, little kids who need things really spelled out, really basic for them. But while the show depicts them in, in very obvious, clear situations so that anybody could understand what she's feeling, where she blows up at him, we all know why. We're watching her getting increasingly annoyed at him. You know, anybody could see it. Right. It also, it also, like you said, it tackles a very, um, <clears throat> a, 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 a very sophisticated feeling and a, a something we can all relate to, that, that worry, that, that insecurity about ourselves, that insufficiency, and the frustration of watching other people be better at something that we're struggling with but what i really love about the show too and i've mentioned this before is that the the protagonists constantly demonstrate for their audience of all ages healthy relationship traits and mm -hmm. that is extremely rare because shows often use the dysfunction of characters interplaying off each other as the butt of humor and they can't right. stop it because they need the jokes they need the siblings who are always bickering they need the anger or the jealousy that's a funny recurring thing they have the smart mouthing kids against their parents they have the sarcastic character who always shuts other people out but they don't have anything any healthy resolutions the their dysfunction is used as a quirk that keeps the show running it's part of their character but I love Katara's apology. I love that she had a mature response and caught herself and responded and showed it instantly <clears throat> and showed instantly the bad behavior and then demonstrated, here's a healthy resolution. Here's how right. you go and make this right by other people. When this happens and it happens, here it is. And then here's a good way to respond. It's a teaching moment. It's just, it's so incredibly rare. No, absolutely. Um, and while I absolutely love that she, you know, had a very genuine heartfelt apology. And I, one of my, this is such an understated moment in this episode. And I never see anyone talking about it. But like the fact that when, after she blows up at Aang, she looks over to Sokka, who is just glaring at her. Like he doesn't say anything, but he just like bows his head at her. Like, I'm really disappointed. Why would you say that to him? Like you, he didn't mean to upstage you. He's just doing, he's just having fun. Like it, it speaks so many volumes without actually saying anything like that look that he gives her. And then that's what causes her to turn back to Aang and see that he's like starting to like, his eyes are misting up and he's starting to about to cry. 
And that's when she realizes, oh my God, I am such an idiot. I shouldn't have done that. Like it's, it's so well done. And, but at the same time, yeah, she does apologize and it's a very genuine apology, but she still ends up taking the scroll anyway when they're asleep. Like, you know, it's, it's yep. so realistic. Cause I've done that before where like, you know, you, you do apologize, you do feel bad, but you continue to do the thing because you're an idiot or you're young or whatever, you know? Well, reading even more into it as, as we love to do with this thing, it would be things like this. What I think was interesting was that she didn't, she said that she was like, okay, we're not going to do it. And then she went off, but then she let her frustration be private which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily an immature move. It was an immature move on her part, I think, to to take it and instantly go back to, to obsessing over it because mm-hmm. she's just kind of cultivating her insecurities that way. But she's right. t- what she's learned to do is to take her struggle away from other people. Now, that's also mm-hmm. not a healthy move. We're not just talking about the fact that got her kidnapped. But it also, yeah. like, she she took and she hid her insecurity trying to resolve it on her own mm-hmm. because we we know that like what she should have done at that point is you know ang is giving her advice that that's the thing that got her frustrated where he's demonstrating the technique and he's starting to teach her the response which i mean she couldn't very well do in the moment should have been to wait right. till the next morning and say well can we can we practice again but this time can you show me how you're doing that and that i think talking to what you're saying what, what you're talking about relating to is so tough for people because it's it's a matter of not just addressing our own frustration or envy or frustration with ourselves but then to realize oh shoot can i ask for help and like mm-hmm. you want to but that just makes it even worse <laughs> you know right so relatable like i said the show gets such sophisticated emotions across in such a really simple way it really amazes me oh yeah no i i absolutely love it and you know as we're talking about katara venting out you know her frustration when she you know while ang and uh, sokka are sleeping this is just a little thing but i have always loved this moment where she's trying to do the water whip and she's pulling the water out of the river but it's not like obviously the way she wants it. It's very like she can't control it. And when she's like waving her arms around, for some reason, that particular bit of animation, I feel that. Like you you see her trying so hard to like manipulate the water the way she wants it, but it's not working. And mm-hmm. she's just like, it's moving, but it's not moving the way she wants it. And it just, I don't know why, but it's it's a great demonstration of like how bending is not just you know, punching or kicking or, you know, throwing rocks or whatever. It's literally like you have to practice and master the forms. Yeah. It doesn't just happen, you know? And that's a great example of that, just animation-wise, showing that, yeah, she's not going to get it the first try. She has to work on her form. She has to continue to practice. And like, and eventually she does get it by the end of the episode and it's great. It's a great, you know, payoff. But um, I don't know. Speaking of visual I just, details... Speaking of visual mm-hmm. details, to jump on that even more so, earlier when she's practicing and trying to get the whip right, and she's like whipping herself, and she's whipping the 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 leader, <laughs> poor guy. It, 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 I love one part where she literally moves her hands one way, but the whip goes the opposite way. Yep, exactly. Sometimes you try so hard, 
Thank and God. And it does so the exact, far. you get, <laughs> but in the end, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> exactly. Great way to show that bending is both mind and body over matter. Yes. You know, yes. a lot of people think that because bending is basically like telekinesis with the elements, but it's your bot, like the movements is what causes the earth or the water or the fire or whatever to move. So you have to, you know, it's not just your mind. It is mind and body over matter. So that's a great visual way to show that. Um, and so, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just it's great animation. Fantastic job, JM. <laughs> I think some of the best bending, though, we saw in the episode was the cabbage bending during the chase. It really... Oh my really... God. I, I'm going to get a shirt that says Cabbage Bender on it. There, Mark my words. There are plenty of Cabbage uh, cabbage Merchant uh, merch. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sure if you look on Redbubble, there will be something there for you. <laughs> it's That's that's mine. That's that's my element right there is the cabbage. It was good. <laughs> on that note, the, the action sequence of them um, chasing the pirates, uh, or being chased by the yeah. pirates, I mean, so good. Again, such a good animation. I screamed when I saw the Cabbage Man back. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it's the all the action. There's actually a surprisingly or a surprising amount of action in this episode um, from the chase when they first steal the waterbending scroll to, you know, Zuko and the pirates versus the gang. And, um, yeah, it's all done very well. I love <laughs> this. Is just one of my favorite little. It's not really an action moment, but it's just hilarious. In the middle of an action scene, <laughs> Sokka is just thrown into the sails by one of the by one of the pirates. <laughs> you remember that? Okay, yeah, I did. They just like they just chuck him into it, and the other pirate yeah. is like, "Hey, good move." <laughs> he just compliments right? it. <laughs> It stops everything so that they can throw sports Sokka into the sail because he okay. can't fight. Back. Okay, but my favorite, my favorite moment, like I laughed so hard, was when they're in the middle of the fight and Sokka doesn't know where Aang is. And he's like, Aang, he's like, come over here, follow my voice. And he just like waves his hand and splits all the smoke away. And he's just surrounded by pirates. And then he does something I did not expect. And he just like pulls it all back in. He pulls the smoke back over. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's great. Yep. Oh. That's not only funny, but it's also just a great way to like show that, oh yeah, he can bend air. Like that's that's a good way to like get some cover is to, you know, have this smoke screen or whatever. But yeah, that that's hilarious. I also love again, there's so many funny moments in this episode. I love it. Um the when uh Zuko and the pirate captain are dueling. And Iroh literally just breaks them up like it's nothing, like they're two little kids squabbling. <laughs> and he says, are you too busy fighting? You haven't seen that your own ship has set sail? And Zuko says, we have no time for your proverb, uncle. And he's like, uh, it's no proverb. And you just see the boat going. And Zuko just chases after it. I love later oh that he, then Iroh goes, maybe it should be a proverb. It should be a proverb. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. The episode episode nine was great. It had it had amazing heartfelt moments, and great great Katara moments. Um, again, my man Sokka is a genius and a prodigy, <laughs> and we love him. Uh, it really brought all the characters together. You know, Zuko, Iroh, they were all there. Um, it had they everything. They perfectly put together the A and the B storyline. Like that yeah. rarely happens. Where they coincide. Like they're not separate. They actually like fused together in the end yeah. i love it it's such tight storytelling 
it was really really good so so overall overall my rating for uh episode nine the waterbending scroll it's really hard because like it did everything really really well it was just in general a fun episode um i am going to give it a generous 9.1 out of 10. i'm gonna follow that up with an even more generous 9.5 out of 10. i love this episode it's it's on my top 20 episodes of avatar list like i have a list and you will find out as we go along which ones are on that top 20 but this is definitely one of those i absolutely love this episode i could watch it a million times and never get tired of it it's one of those so. at some at some point in time though my ratings are just arbitrary right now at some point in time oh, i do need sure. to go and start i need to start like keeping track list. of which they are i don't want to make it so that i sit back and i'm like well I gave that one a 9.2. So, like, really, when I compare them, which one should be higher or lower? I kind of like it being arbitrary. I just kind of want to keep track as I'm going. Yeah, like, we're not trying to make a list or anything. Like, we're just going based off how we feel at the moment. Like, because that could obviously be hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for you, since you don't know what's coming. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm sure later on in the series, I'm going to be like, yeah, so I give this episode, like, a 12 and a half out of 10. Like, yeah, that's fair, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so so with that, let's move on to the second one, uh, which is episode 10, Jet. Uh, so the, uh, some stats on the episode. Uh, episode 10 is written by James Egan. Now, mm-hmm. we both love this episode. We, we both loved it. Loved it. I, I have so many good things to say about this. So much so <laughs> that I got curious about this writer, James Egan, because I'm like, how, this guy's such a good writer. This is such a good episode. How have we not seen his work before? So I did a little bit of research. Um, I did. I did. And so <clears throat> I don't know if you already know this since you're a well of information on stuff, but James Egan, I took to IMDb and started looking around for his stats mm-hmm. so I could figure out, well, what has he written? How many more episodes does he write? So this is, in fact, his only credited written by episode for him for the entire series but there are 13 there are 13 episodes of the show in which he is an uncredited staff writer including the previous episode episode nine there you go and the first two episodes of the series the pilot episode interesting yeah, that, that would make sense because a lot of the writers that we cycle through are staff writers, so they help, but they may not be like the head writer of the episode. Right. Um, so yeah, that would make sense that he would work on the on some of the other scripts but not be credited as the head writer. Um, but yeah, no, that's interesting because yeah, we haven't seen his name before and I, I really do love this episode. Which... We'll never see it again <laughs> because he is the only episode he's credited as head writer, so. R.I.P. James. <laughs> Great job! You did good, man. You did good. Uh, We 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 feel good knowing that, like in in future episodes, he's still behind the scenes doing the Lord's work. Good work, James. (laughs) You're a gem. Uh, It is directed by none other than Dave Filoni himself. It's your boy Dave Filoni. Oh, there he is, and and he always comes back for these really good episodes. I mean, you know, he the the, his direction is incredible on these. Some of the best episodes so far have his direction. But I'm telling you, this James Egan Dave Filoni duo here is like 
chef's kiss. It's just <laughs> the animation is once again by the excellent JM animation. And as we couldn't help but say at the start of the episode already, like this, the episode, this is the most gorgeous episode. The animation on the characters, the action, like the fighting. It's not even just that the characters are well animated. Like there's that sequence jumping ahead real quick where Jet and Aang have their fight, which is phenomenal. Yeah. I love that fight scene. <laughs> and I and there's this part of it where they're way up in the trees when they hit the highest part of the trees where we just see this this gently panning shot of of all the red trees. And Aang mm-hmm. bounces up and then vanishes, and then Jet lunges yep. up with his 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 swords behind him. Oh, and, oh <laughs> amazing, gorgeous, it, it's phenomenal. Gorgeous. Um. <laughs> This the episode ten jet uh, aired on May sixth, two thousand and five, and the scandalously low IMDb rating for this episode is a shameful shame on you, Avatar fans. Get to IMDb website right now and vote. Is seven point seven point seven out of ten? How dare you let this episode fall by the wayside? What happened? Okay. Let me tell you, I don't know why Avatar fans don't like this episode. I'm genuinely, like, shocked. I have loved this episode since it first aired, because I actually saw it when it first aired. Um, And I was, like, so in love with it. And then years later, I discovered that, like, because I'm on a bunch of Avatar pages, and apparently this is, like, one of the least liked episodes of the show, which, again, it's only 7.7, so that's still a high rating. But, like... What? Why? (laughs) Like... No, I think it's no, no. Todd no. literally just shut up in anger. <laughs> Jesus, no, no, no. <laughs> I refuse. No, <laughs> just no. Oh my god, yeah, no. no. It. I think it's, and you know, this might just be a bit of speculation, just based off what I've seen, but. I feel like Jet as a character, and we'll definitely talk more about him, but I feel like he's a very divisive character. You either like him or you don't. And since he's like a huge part of this episode, he's the name of the title, for God's sakes. um, I think that's why some people don't like this episode, because he is such a big factor in it, and they may not like his character. I personally really like his character, but I get where people are coming from um, in terms of not we'll we'll talk a lot about it i don't know it's weird it's weird it's 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 just weird we'll we'll unravel more of this mystery as as we go along but yeah this injustice must be must be must be corrected take us away with some fun facts about this episode all right so being a huge fan of star wars dave filoni drew inspiration from the ewok village in return of the jedi when designing jet's hideout in the forest that he lives in yeah, Instant, you can absolutely instantly. <laughs> oh yeah, and not only that, but I also speaking back to the fun facts from the previous episode, um, I actually also get a lot of hook vibes from this. Like mm-hmm. having the three tops lost, and all that. Like, the, the Lost, lost Boys, Boys vibe is super strong. He's he's Peter yeah. Pan with the Lost Boys. Literally, it is. Like he's bad, he's my Peter Pan, he's bad Peter Pan. <laughs> I was going to say, I was getting huge vibes of, like, your Peter Pan retelling that we've talked about many times. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, so that totally makes sense that that's why you're getting those vibes, because that's what they were going for. Yeah. Um, 
number two is that Jet's design, specifically his hairstyle, was loosely based on Spike's design from the anime Cowboy Bebop. And now I'd you miss. I'm a huge fan of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I was about to say I can't remember which episode it was, but you actually mentioned Cowboy Bebop, and I was like, "Oh boy, wait till he gets to Jet." <laughs> yeah, no. As soon as he popped out, I was like, I was just looking right between his eyes and his hair. I was like, "Man." That's it's so cool, but he doesn't look copycat. He just looks enough oh, yeah, to no. capture the cool things about his look and integrate them mm -hmm. onto this character, which is very cool. Yeah, and this this isn't about the episode, but just kind of for you because, as you said, you're a big fan of Cowboy Bebop. But one of the villains, one of my favorite villains from Legend of Korra, the next series, is voiced by the voice actor that um, voices Spike. Like it's yes, the same Steve, guy. Steve, it's Steve Blum. Yes, we love him. He's so good. And I cannot wait to get to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> the man's voice, the man's voice yeah. is just ASMR. Like, I just, I love his voice. It is a very, very good voice. Um, yeah. I think he actually does a bit of extra work on Avatar. I just cannot think of like a character or an episode that he's in, but I'm pretty sure he does. He does tons of things. He's done Fire Nation soldiers and things. I I, yeah. I, I hear his voice instantly. I pick it out as <laughs> it soon is as very recognizable. It's, it's him <laughs> and it's him. And then when I play uh, games like uh, Elder Scrolls Online or virtually any game that has like hundreds of character voices in it, I'll pick up Jim Cummings, who, yes. Yeah, iconic <laughs> uh, voice actor. I'll pick him out all the time, too. So. Mr. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yes. Um, and then our final fun fact is that, and I love this one, according to Avatar Extras, Katara and Jet shared a kiss off screen in this episode, and the creators had confirmed that it was her first kiss. So that's a bit of juicy tea right there. <laughs> and now I'm just like, where did that happen in the episode? <laughs> Like, I literally was like, when I read that, I was going through the episode in my head, like, where could that have happened within the episode? <laughs> is it bad that it makes me a little mad? <laughs> Wait, why? why? <laughs> this makes me mad because he's because he's a bad guy. And if so, I'm just, I am, I'm just like, no, no, no. no. Go to the dark side. No, yeah. yeah. I'm just like, her first kiss was this guy. He was right oh. there. <laughs> yeah, no. I like as a kid, I remember seeing that Avatar Extras uh, when it was aired on Nickelodeon, and I, I was like, oh, interesting. I, I kind of wish that they had shown it just so that we could see just how deep she was in with him, and that would have yeah, made because... the, yeah, yeah that would have made the was it um, the betrayal all that more like where like oh, she started wow. crying, and like on the one hand, yeah. I was like, well, yeah, it's a big bad thing that's happening. She trusted him, but like if they if they had shown the kiss, much as I hate that they confirmed that it was a thing, I mean, like it's spicy. It's a spicy bit for the episode, but like eh, I, I think I'm channeling like soccer vibes right now with like right. the, the... you're like stay away from my sister, <laughs> stay away from Katara. Get your filthy exactly. lips off of her. Tree. Yes, no. You tree. What, what would be a mean name for it? You tree. <laughs> you tree swinger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think it would have been, I wish that there had at least been like a deleted storyboard or something that we could see to kind of place where it would happen in the episode. Because um, as it is, I can't really think of like, 
where it would go but like i i wish that we had seen that just to add to the drama personally yeah, yeah me too um, but i totally get it you know you got you only got 23 minutes you got to cut something so <laughs> it's not yeah. too terribly important but it would have been a nice yeah. little extra um to uh, add to the drama so the things she's been through in her life and now this no no one she's got like severe daddy issues <laughs> now she's going for all the bad boys yeah so <laughs> Yeah. So, 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 wait a second. <laughs> wait a he's second. not even in this episode, is he? No. Well, bravo, it. Avatar! You presented an episode that was so well done that I actually didn't even notice the absence of Prince Zuko. That's so funny. <laughs> It's okay. You know what? It makes it okay. It makes it okay because Katara, you know, she had a moment of indiscretion and, and she, she kissed this guy who very truly is not her true love. And, you know, Prinsuko <laughs> wasn't there to see it. It's okay. Exactly. I'm sure she'll, she'll confess to him and they'll make it right and they'll clear it all up. It'll be off of everybody's conscience. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Well, that's the next episode. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. God, so, so, so sharing some thoughts from the episode, um, we're talking about Jet. Let's just focus in on Jet. As soon as the okay. guy landed and walked out, I said out loud, now this guy has main character energy. <laughs> yeah, he definitely has a lot of presence, that's for sure. <laughs> right right from the start right from the start um diving he knows back in... named after him <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes. this man knows the episode's <laughs> named after him for sure yeah he's like hi i'm jet this episode is what's up baby named girl after me. <laughs> flips his hair you literally <laughs> you know i know of you notice but i i've watched a lot of cowboy bebop runs fingers through hair you could be my waifu People say that I'm a, I'm a lot like Spike, especially the fact that he has that like blade of grass hung out of his yep. lips, the same way that Spike at keeps the time. cigarette hanging out of his mouth in a lot of the series. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. That's definitely a friendly cigarette stand-in. Yeah, 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 it really is. It's really funny. Um, I like it. I for some reason Rachel always <laughs> makes Rachel being my middle sister for all those that do not know, but yeah. my middle sister. Rachel, every time we watch it, we've seen this episode a lot because we're girls and we like fangirling over the romance and all that. But every time we watch this episode, she always is like, I hate the stupid grass. Why does he have grass in his mouth? <laughs> you literally this is the take, Jesus. Oh my, my god. My coffee almost went all over the computer. Yes. Oh my gosh. Let me recover from that for a second. She complains about it every time we watch the episode, and it's so stupid. I think it's cool. The stupid Why grass. He looks so stupid. Like, I, got, I, got, stupid. I got Rocket Raccoon vibes, too, for the way you describe that. You're making me beat off grass. <laughs> stupid yes. grass. Yeah, oh no, he, um, he he's great. I love his, uh, his um, what are called, uh, I don't know if you know this or not. So, his weapons those those uh tiger hook swords is what they're what yep. they're called um so those are actually um from chinese culture and mm -hmm. they are actually used in wushu which is you know 
Kung Fu, which is very ironic because it was just a previous episode we were talking about Wing Chun Kuen and Kung Fu, and I'm very familiar with the uh, the, the fighting weapons. I've never fought with them. I've done staff fighting before, um, oh. but I know of. they're super cool weapons, and so and they're so versatile, as we see highlighted in this episode. Oh, yeah. You make the most of those weapons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what when you this? said that. Were you fanning yourself while you said that? <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, so hot with those tiger hooks. Mm. Oh, those tiger hooks. I wish he'd sing. Anyway, so, so, he, no, but I, I love that the show takes the opportunity to highlight these weapons and, and, you know, techniques and things from, from Asian cultures. And it really, they, 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 he uses them in such, in such a way that it really honors the art of using the weapon. He doesn't just wing the things around. He does a lot of the tricks that are, are, you know, part of using the weapon. I love where he hooks the two ends on top of each other, uh, onto each other and swings it to get a greater length on the weapon when he's fighting. It's almost like a whip in that way. I love when he does that because it does give me like severe uh, Catwoman vibes. <laughs> And it's such a versatile weapon too because the um the the hand guards also have the blades on them too, which he yeah. uses a lot. And when you hook the two ends together, it becomes like a uh, like an axe, like a like a like an axe yeah. joint in the middle. It's it's just it's uh it's it's amazing. I believe somebody's gonna correct me on this, but I believe the Chinese name for them is uh Shuango. I believe they're called Shuangos. Um and yeah, no, I just I love them. I, again, I've studied a lot of the weapons arts of of Asian cultures, and I think that's just fantastic. Just huge appreciation. If he had just boring old swords, I would have been like, eh, that's pretty. That's all right. I right. Guess. Yeah, no, I I love when characters have like signature weapons. You know, with Sokka, he's got his boomerang, and obviously mm -hmm. with Katara, now she's got her water whip and all that. And Aang's got his staff, and Jet has his tiger hooks, and I it just really makes them equal. Uh, easily distinguishable from each other. Like no one has the same two weapons and it makes it really cool to watch, especially right. in combat. You know, um, One of my favorite moments of the fight between Aang and Jet at the end is this is probably honestly, like looking back, I think this is the most powerful like fighting airbending we've seen. Cause we've seen powerful airbending, uh, you know, when he was going full avatar state. Um, but we, but we also want to know that he is one of the most formidable opponents that Aang has ever fought because Aang has bested some really good opponents with ease. Oh yeah. Oh but yeah. This for guy sure. actually put Aang into the ground. <laughs> yeah, no, if, if Katara hadn't shown up, Aang probably would have lost, but it makes sense because, you know, he's just a kid and he's also, as I keep saying, a pacifist. He doesn't like fighting. He even says, I don't want to fight you, Jet. So, mm. <laughs> you know, Jet is just like out for blood. So, of course, he would easily best him. But I love the moment um, where Aang finally starts to fight back, like fully, instead of just running and evading. And he just creates this kind of um, not really tornado, but just like this funnel of air that just completely takes Jet out of the tree. And it just, it looks amazing. Like, you know, airbending, I feel like is very underused or like maybe not underused, but um, it's underwhelming in Avatar. They don't use it to its fullest potential. They absolutely fix that in Legend of Korra. They, they do some amazing stuff with the airbending mm. in that show. But this is one of those moments that I'm like, yes, yes, more of this, please. This looks amazing. This yeah. looks very like formidable, like as an element. Um, and so I just I love that 
you know, he actually has to fight back for once, like, and not just in a way like he did with Boomy, where it's like, oh, well, I'm fighting back, but, you know, it's my friend and all that. But like, he genuinely is fighting for his life. And, you know, it's, it's really great to see that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the whole fight is great. And, you know, like I said, Katara coming in to save the day um, and freezing. This is the first time that we've seen her use freeze, yes. like her uh, freezing as a not just as a defensive thing like when she makes you know someone slip or whatever but like mm -hmm. as a fight move you know <laughs> freezing and, into the and, tree and, and... and real quick may i know may i know that this is not just a oh no we need to defend ourselves this is like a moment of emotional upheaval that takes me all the way back to the very first scene of the first episode where she breaks mm -hmm. open you know the the the, the, iceberg, the yeah. iceberg with with that power unleashed now here she's channeling it it's not just random she just knows she's doing it this is her channeling right. that in a moment of you know extreme emotion but she's using mm -hmm. it use your oh, aggressive yeah. feelings good katara good <laughs> you gotta stop drinking coffee when we're i'm talking. trying stop making me laugh right when i drink you oh my god so yeah <laughs> so well, i love that they're not Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I really, I really loved that, um, that moment of her, of her using, using the ice power. It really showed, you know, what she can do. Like you, you were saying with Aang with the, with the airbending, and you're seeing it used in this incredible way. And then for her to step forward and use her waterbending to end the fight. Mm -hmm. But I love, I love the ice power. That's like I feel like that's like her true power. That when she really, really means business. It's so funny because, like, I remember when Frozen <laughs> first came out and people were making comparisons between Elsa and Katara, who is mm -hmm. by far a better character. Like, don't at me. <laughs> don't come for me. For <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh -huh. yeah, no, it's true. Like, yeah, she does have a lot of what Elsa has. And I think that they might have drawn very much like how, um, you know, the, the sequel trilogy drew from uh avatar i feel like they might have drawn from avatar when doing frozen as well for mm -hmm. you know else's character it's it's very similar um but uh anyway <laughs> moving on um what else can we talk about oh um oh wait hold on <laughs> i totally forgot what i was gonna say so so let me um, jump in on something here i love that this is such a big sock episode like we were oh, we yeah. were due we were due for a sock episode <laughs> And I love the whole arc. I love the whole arc of his instincts being made fun of at the start. And then mm -hmm. and then it dawned on me part of the way through that I'm like, oh yeah, he's not just jealous. Like there is something kind of off with this guy. The tip off is always when like there's something that's like misunderstood and the guy offers mm -hmm. like an explanation, like, oh, this is what happened. And then somebody goes, see that must be what happened i'm like i got you i know how to read the script that's a lie that's not what actually yeah. happened yeah no even as a kid i never bought the like whole oh he was an assassin he came to kill me there's poison in the night i'm like what that's way too convoluted <laughs> like what oh my gosh the real quick fast forwarding the 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 I know what you're gonna say. at the end <laughs> of the old guy being mm -hmm. the one to validate Sokka's, so Sokka's story that when mm -hmm. he goes to save the villagers, that it's the guy that he took compassion on and fought for. 
for for mercy for him that that is what like helped him like the okay the story in this episode is so intricately so finely written like that is mm-hmm. amazing because it could have just been a throwaway it could have just been like oh yeah the old guy and he they're they're bullying him and that's how he knows that there's something wrong with them or that, that they're misguided oh, and yeah. like and, and and the very complex so we're going to hit on this with jet too the very complex question of how do you fight against evil and when you fight mm-hmm. against evil like jet is where's the line where's the mm-hmm. line how do you even know when you've actually crossed it when when are you becoming like the enemy you're fighting in a bad way literally right as i'm thinking about it, jet is literally thanos <laughs> like yeah. jet has the exact same thing well i mean i'm not the exact same but like the circumstances similar, are very yeah. similar yeah where it's like well, we have to wipe out half the galaxy or this town for the greater good. And like, I have to be the one to do it because like no one else will. Like it's, it's yeah. so, so. They called me a and madman. Exactly. <laughs> what did it cost? Everything. He's just yeah, there in no. the forest. Like, let me guess your home. It was, and it was beautiful. Yes. And he kind of does the guitar. Like straight up yeah. when they're telling you, their backstories he's like yeah the fire nation killed my family i was only eight years old like this is why i do what i do and she relates to that and like you know they have that bonding moment of like yeah the fire nation killed my mom and my dad's off fighting against them so i pretty much lost my family as well and so it's that's why i can totally see katara like you know going with him like believing him and trusting him um because they do have that commonality between them and that loss. And so it totally makes sense. But Sokka, unlike Katara, is not like blinded by the loss of his mother or um, of his father off to the war. You know, it's he does not let that dictate his life like mm-hmm. Katara does for herself because she's still trying to process it and deal with it. And that's a big right. theme of hers throughout the series. Right. Um, so, you know, anyone that has any kind of connection or like understanding that or empathy for that she immediately opens up to and like trusts and like oh we have a connection and right. like honey <laughs> a lot of people have lost a lot of people in the war <laughs> like and, pretty and much everyone that doesn't and, make and them it, <laughs> and and it, it that's why i mean that when the episode hits upon so many sophisticated like so many sophisticated questions and beats and like moral things it puts across because the it, the, the episode the episode touches on trusting trusting your gut versus mm-hmm. trusting what you can observe and rationalize. It touches on processing grief and mm-hmm. and how how your your vulnerability is at stake in where you are in your grieving process. It touches right. on um, being manipulated and being used by people who sympathize with you and, 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 you know, how you can't trust people uh, based on so little, because it's really right. easy to get manipulated that way. And, and, and vigilantism, like yeah. literally vigilantes. He literally has Batman's backstory. <laughs> His parents are killed. <laughs> yes. this, this is this universe's Batman. <laughs> Yeah, if no, you went it's, dark. 
and and it, and it really presents so many so many interesting things it's just it, it, there's so many layers to it this episode is so expertly done it's just i i absolutely love it and um, and did notice, um since we were talking about the old man and the payoff of him actually you know helping the situation um it's kind of a mirror to the imprisoned episode where the exact same thing happened. You know, Katara and uh, Haru helped the old man and he ended up selling them out. Like mm -hmm. it's the literal opposite end of the spectrum where like, no, it actually it ended up working out that he helped out this poor fire nation man. Like, you know, mm -hmm. and the fact that he was fire nation, that that is something we haven't really talked about this, but Sokka is kind of a racist. <laughs> I think Sokka and Katara are both very racist because they are like, basically hicks like they're from the south pole they have they really are they are from hicks the south they're frozen hillbillies okay Literally. um and so they have a very narrow point of view when it comes to the the other people in the world yeah. you know in this world and fire firebenders most of all they feel that they are monsters that you know i think that Sokka even refers to them as fire monsters and i'm like that is a slur <laughs> um so, yeah. he's totally racist, but it's understandable because of the way he grew up and like what yeah. the fire nation did to them as a family yeah. and so you see that this is the first time that we've really seen him be sympathetic to a fire fire nation person and you know it's like he is even defending him you know jet's like he's fire nation he's we got to take him out and he's just mm -hmm. like he's not hurting anybody like why are you doing this and i'm just like Yes, King. Yes, we love a yeah. growing moment. Um, it, and it's that's a moment that... where he justifies it later to everybody. Where he goes, he was he is a civilian. He wasn't a soldier. Right. And it's times of war. Times of war are dangerous culturally for people because they tempt us to take everybody that's underneath a flag and group right. them all together and vilify them. Right, and it's a moment for for Sokka to really demonstrate a, a, a very mature, like sort of a growth moment, where he realizes, and maybe even just realized in that moment when they approached when when the old man was there, that that you can't group the population and associate them to their leader or the actions right. of their military. They're completely different things a lot of the time. And so and that is a for, very relevant message right now. Like exactly. that's crazy how all these years later that is so relevant. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, whatever's going on in the world where anybody is listening to this, it's going to be relevant to remember mm -hmm. that that the population of the country, you can't just lump them in with the decisions of their leaders and the actions of their military. They can be completely different. And so for, for Sokka to look at this old man, this this and say, Yeah, he's Fire Nation. But he's not the soldiers. He's he's not right. Prince Zuko. He's not the fire. He's not Lord. hurting anybody. Yeah. It's not he's his just fault. Trying to fight like you guys are. Right. It's not his fault that he was born and lives in the Fire Nation. This guy isn't didn't, isn't hurting anybody. He's never done nothing wrong. And right. and it's 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 so good. It's it's just so good. And you know, politics the, of and children show. It's crazy. I know. <laughs> they touch I know. It, and it never feels like like they're pandering like messages or it's just so natural it's never like preachy. this is what happens in war like <laughs> yeah it's, it's crazy. never preachy never preachy at all and i've complimented the show on that before and it's it's 
it, it's just amazing it really is amazing um you know i i have nothing but good things to say about this episode from from the character of of jet to i because i honestly think he's a great character i think he's a great character i, do. I, I don't really like it. he presents he he's a he, he he's a he's a vehicle to present these issues and he's right. a cautionary figure for them as characters because in the fight against the fire nation they could easily become him oh yeah Sokka especially yeah and so you kind of see him as the anti-Sokka and it's it's really just an interesting play of seeing him challenge even when he's trying to get Sokka to see his point of view trying to do to him what he's done to the other members of his of his gang here and indoctrinate him that this is the right way of doing things and can I also just throw this out here and make a daring statement that Avatar The Last Airbender with this episode made a stronger case than The Last Jedi did for it's not about destroying what we hate, but saving what we love. Because Sarah sure. may not have been able alone to go and stop all of Jet's cronies and stop them from blowing up the dam and fight them off. In fact, he might have been like Finn, going in on a suicide mission, thinking he'd be mm -hmm. the big hero, which is what Aang and Katara think of when they think of heroism. He has to get to the dam. It's like it's a cowboy serial. Is he going to get to the mine before it blows up? Is he going to save Timmy as well? Right. Is he going to make it in time? But in, he didn't go after the antagonists. He didn't go to beat them all up and stop the bomb from going off. He accepted right. that the bomb is going to go off. And that what he needs to do is save the valuable things, which are the people. He can't save right. the town from being destroyed, but he can go after the things that are truly valuable, the things that should be loved and should be valued, human lives, and get them out of harm's way. And he succeeds at that. For sure. And since we're on this this topic, uh, real quick, because I know we're about to wrap up, but um, can I just say... The Avatar did, I can't believe I've mentioned Frozen twice now. Avatar did what Frozen 2 didn't have the balls to do, and they actually drowned the town. Like, obviously, we knew that they weren't going to kill the people because it yeah. is still a kid's show at the end of the day. But when I watched that as a kid, like, imagine watching this episode as a kid, not knowing, like, not seeing it before, mm -hmm. and watching just in rapt horror just like katara is as the arrow is shot into the dam and it blows up and you see the town being flooded and you're just like holy shit they did it they actually did like the bad guys won obviously Thanos they did, did it. exactly what he said he was gonna do <laughs> he wiped out half the fire nation <laughs> what did it cost everything yes <laughs> and i was just like i that moment, I just love it. Because again, I love when there are actual consequences. And sometimes when villains win, quote unquote, um, right. yeah, like that should have happened at the end of Frozen 2. Like they should have drowned Arendelle and wiped it out. But no, we have to have a Dusex Machina come in and save the day. But like, no, Avatar wouldn't do that. They know that no. actions have consequences. Exactly. Right. <laughs> this, and, and these are, <laughs> when will you learn? No, this this episode really hits all the beats of excellent storytelling, and I think we've just been hammering that nail in as hard as we can. Um, oh yeah. So this episode, 
this episode for me, I don't care what the rest of the series has in store. This guy, I'm willing to go beyond 10. Uh, this episode for me really is a solid 9.6 out of 10. I, See? this is, this is like, I'm sure that's my highest rated episode so far. I really don't think I've gone sure. higher than that. And it really is good. It was so good. I told you this before we started recording, but I'll say it here on air. This is the only episode of the series so far that I have watched twice because I wanted to see it a second time to experience this whole thing again. Yeah, I watched it a second time right before the show because I just, I, I just it love it. So good. And there's so much more of that to go. <laughs> I think I am going to give this episode... I do love it, but I don't think it's higher than the previous episode. So I'm going to give it a nine. I'll give a solid nine. Um, I love it so much. It's beautifully animated. I love the, the gray zone that they discuss with the war and like what it does to people and grief and just, there's so much packed into one episode. I love Jed as a character. Um, and I love his interactions with Sokka and Katara. Um, yeah. And it's got great action. I mean, it really is a, a wonderful episode. I, I can't believe that so many people don't like it. Y'all are whack, but that's what injustice. Injustice. This is this is justice for episode ten right here. <laughs> oh, man. You, we yeah. see you, James I'm Egan. Just... You did good. <laughs> James Egan, you done good. You did great. You and Dave Filoni need to get together for for tea sometime and like figure out how to make some new episodes of something. Yeah. I don't care what. Just tell us what you do so that we can. <laughs> Post it in the comments. Tell tell us if you're listening. Tell us what you're working on. Give us a project. Do something. Yeah, we will watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, and that pretty much wraps up uh, wraps this up for today. Amazing episodes of uh, an amazing show. And as always, I can't wait to see what happens next. That's all for today. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so feel free to leave a review or comment, follow the podcast, give us a good rating, and all that good stuff. You can find us on Twitter at Millwood and Micah, and please follow our Instagram at Millwood and Micah Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll be back in the next episode.